Today I'm going to talk about Palm Sunday. Okay, my introduction is over to this week. But now I want to introduce what's going on today. This is Palm Sunday. If you don't know what Palm Sunday is, I'll explain it in a few minutes. We understand that everything Jesus did in his life and his ministry, especially that last week of his life, it was all about God and people. God and people. At the Bridge Church, it's a part of our mission. We understand it. We're here to connect people with God and connect people with people. Jesus' ministry was all about God and people. And as you look at that last few days of Jesus' life and the many characters involved, Jesus talked to religious leaders. We see the story of Judas Iscariot who betrayed Jesus. We saw the story of Peter who denied Jesus. We see the story of Pilate who said, I don't find any fault in him and tried to wash his hands of his blood and then let them crucify him. We see Herod the king's involvement. We see thieves on the cross on each side of Jesus. We see John the Apostle and Jesus' own mother in one picture at the cross. And as you look at what happened in that last week, it's all about God and people and what God's trying to do in people's lives. Jesus poured out his life all the way to the end, trying to restore God and people in that relationship. But since the birth of Jesus, there's always been one question that echoes through the ages. The question is, who is he? If he's alive, who is he? What is he? What's he all about? Who is Jesus? At his birth, the angels told us his name would be Emmanuel, which means God with us. The angels also said he would be a Savior, one who would save us from our sins. One day Jesus in Matthew 16 was with his disciples and he pulled them away from the crowd and he said, I need to ask you a question. What do people say about me? How many of you hear a lot of opinions about Jesus day by day of, in the world? People in society, there are all kinds of thoughts about Jesus. He's a good man. He's a good teacher. He's this. He's that. Some say he's a fraud. Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? Well, some say you're John the Baptist raised from the dead. Some say you're Elijah the prophet raised and you've come back to life to speak to this nation. But then Jesus asked the most important question of all. Okay, aside from public opinion, what everybody else has to say, Jesus asked the question, who do you say I am? And that's the question that he's asking us today in this room. For those watching online and listening to this later on, the question that stands out above all else in this message is, who do you say Jesus is? Who is Jesus in your life and in your world? Let's read from Matthew chapter 21. We're going to look at Palm Sunday and the parade that happened in the city of Jerusalem. Uh, by the way, Anne, and you can turn to Matthew 21 if you would. Ann and I were privileged to be there in the city of Jerusalem just a few days ago on a missions trip. 
I'll be telling you all about it just after Easter. I don't want to take time out of this message. I'm going to set aside an entire morning to talk about what God is doing in the world. So I'll be covering that right after Easter. But look at Matthew 21. Verse number 1 tells the story. It says, Now when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples. Now I want you to listen to the details of the story. Jesus sent two disciples into town, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. Now, now pause here a moment. Have you ever thought, boy, it would have been great to be a disciple in the days of Jesus to see all that stuff? How many would have loved to have been one of those two disciples that day? Go over to this town, and when you get there, you're going to see a VW bus, and then right next to it, you're going to see a VW Beetle. Just get in, start them up, and bring them over here. I need, I need to use them. You know, in, in the Wild West days, they would hang you for stealing horses. I don't know what they would have done for donkeys. But then, let's read a little further. Jesus said, and if anyone says, any, says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord has need of them. And immediately he will send them. And that's what happened. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king, your king is coming to you lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. Now, now pause here a moment. The prophet said, this is what's going to happen. And now Jesus fulfills it with the help of his disciples and somebody who loaned them a donkey and its colt. That the king would come, but here's how he would come. Lowly sitting on a donkey. That's interesting. So verse number six, so the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt. Then they laid their clothes on the donkey and the colt. And they set Jesus on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes in the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Now, what was happening here was, as Jesus entered the city, he sits on this donkey and on this donkey colt. They've got their clothes there as padding, as a saddle, if you will. And this parade starts, and as the parade starts, the parade grows and grows and grows. And as always was the case in victory parades in those days, people began to cut branches off the trees and throw them in the road. And they begin to make noise and they begin to cheer. And all of a sudden, in this busy time of year, a parade develops in the city of Jerusalem. Now, you got to see this. Streets in those days weren't four-lane highways or six-lane freeways. They were very, very narrow where only a few people could pass going in opposite directions. And at this time of the year, thousands and thousands of people have come to Jerusalem from all over the world because it's Passover time. And they've come there to commemorate their Jewish roots. So this city is jammed with people from different parts of the world. And all of a sudden, this parade starts in the crowded busyness of the streets. And here comes this man riding on a donkey, of all things. And the noise gets louder and louder and louder. Verse 9. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And When he had come into Jerusalem, 
all the city was moved. Notice those words. All the city was moved, saying, who is this? So the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Now, I've painted a bit of the story, but I want to go just one step further. I want you to see in this small city, in these crowded, jammed streets, this parade develops. And here comes this guy sitting on a donkey and all these people crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna, which literally means God sent us a Savior. Here's our Savior. Look at him. He's riding in a VW. This is our Savior. This is our King. That was the picture of the day. Hosanna, Hosanna. They're celebrating. They're having a parade. Have you ever, have you ever been caught driving across town and suddenly you came to a busy intersection and they were about to have a parade? And the traffic stops and the traffic control people stop you and won't let you cross. And you sit there in your car for 20 or 30 minutes waiting for the traffic to move. That's what was happening in the city that day. Everything came to a standstill because there's two crowds of people. There are people looking at Jesus saying, here's our king, here's our savior. And then there's these other people saying, who in the world is this guy? And all of a sudden, the whole city is engulfed in this question. Who is he? But isn't this the question that every generation has asked about Jesus? Who is he? Hosanna, he's our Savior. Our Savior. Savior from what? What kind of Savior? What kind of Savior rides a donkey? Throughout history, there's always been a multitude of people. We call it the church, spreading his fame, saying he's the Savior. But then there's also been a bigger multitude of people saying, who is he? We don't know. The world needs to know who Jesus is. We, the church, need to be telling them who Jesus is. We need to be the one delivering the good news today about a Savior who's come. And even though he came riding a donkey, someday he's coming in glory, and we're looking forward to that day. We need to be sharing that message with our world. But then, let's go to a second part of this message. Here's this king, so-called king. He's riding on a donkey. There was no preparation for this parade. It just spontaneously happened to fulfill scripture. But there's two crowds of people, those who are praising Jesus. Have you ever stopped to think that there were probably people in that crowd that day who had received miracles from Jesus? And they're stopping saying, you want to know who he is? Let me tell you who he is. Let me tell you what he's done in my life. Let me tell you what he's done for me. And then there's people saying, who in the world is this guy? Why is the traffic stopped? i got to get across town. I've got an appointment. you get to part this crowd. Get him out of my way. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You don't know who he is. Let me tell you what he's done for me. This is happening all over the city of Jerusalem. Here comes the king. How does Jesus approach people? How did he approach people? How does he approach people? You look at this story and say, well, what's that got to do with anything? I'm going to show you here in just a moment. How does Jesus come into our lives? How does he approach us? How does he open his world to us? Jesus chose to ride through this parade on the back of a donkey colt. 
And I got to tell you, in those days, a king, a savior, a warrior would not have chosen a donkey. He would have been riding on a big white horse or riding in a chariot, waving palm branches and having trumpets sound and announce, here comes the king, here comes the savior, here's our ruler, here's the one who's going to take care of us. But not this Jesus. He comes riding in on a donkey colt. So what do we learn from that? One thing is, Jesus comes to us in humility, not pride. He comes to us humbly. He doesn't come and get in our faces and tell us how stupid we are and how dumb we've been. He comes in humility with a broken heart because he sees the condition of our lives and he wants to step in and get involved and he's looking for our permission. In this Passion Week, one of the stories you see is Jesus, with all that was going on, looked over the city of Jerusalem and probably weeping in tears, he said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I've wanted to come to you and shelter you like a mother hen would protect her chicks, but you won't come to me. And destruction is coming your way because of it. You see, he comes with humility. He doesn't demand anything. He doesn't say, I am the king, you bow your knee. He comes and he says, I am the king and I want to help you pick up the pieces of your life. Would you please let me in? He comes in humility, not pride. Another thing we see is Jesus comes to serve, not to control. You see, kings and rulers rode on big white horses and in chariots. Servants rode on donkeys. Prophets rode on donkeys. Servants of God didn't come to proclaim themselves. They came to proclaim the word and the will of God. Jesus didn't come to tell us how great he was. He came to tell us what great things he could do in our lives. He came not only in humility, but he came to serve us, not to control us, not to bring us into a different bondage, but to liberate us into the life of freedom, freedom for which God created us. He came to serve us. And then the third thing, came riding in on a donkey, which is really a, a picture of peace. Jesus comes in peace with peace. Let that sink in a minute. Jesus approaches us in peace with peace for our lives. He says, let me help. Let me change everything from the inside out. If I could take just a couple of minutes here talking about how Jesus approaches us. I want to tell you something about Jesus. A couple of things. Number one, he is approachable. He comes near us and he is approachable for us. I want to tell you the words of Jesus. We'll have them on the screen because I don't want you to miss it. Matthew chapter 11. Jesus says, come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden. I'll give you rest. If life has become so great and so heavy on your shoulders that you're weary and you're tired and you're not sure you have the strength to go on, he says, come to me, approach me. I can help you with that load you're carrying. Next verse 29, he says, take my yoke, take my life, my lifestyle upon you and learn my way of life. For I'm gentle and lowly in heart. And if you'll do this, you will find rest for your souls. See, he approaches us with promises. 
He approaches us and says, come to me, I'm approachable. I'll accept you. My arms are open right here. I will show you a better way, and I'll show you the way of rest. In verse 30, Jesus says, for my yoke, my lifestyle, it's light. It's different. It's freedom. It's joy. It's peace. See, Jesus is approachable. Let me tell you something. One of the things that religion has done through the years, the religious arguments that we have among theologians and sometimes pastors and church leaders that filters down throughout the entire church, religion tends to make Jesus unapproachable. It puts him so far off that we think, well, I'll never measure up to him. Or it puts him so far off and so far down that we think he doesn't even matter in our lives. Let me tell you something. Jesus has come to me. I'm approachable. I'll meet you right where you are with whatever's going on in your life. And one day at a time, I'll begin to restore and change everything. I'll make it right. He's approachable. Which makes me realize I don't need to run from him. I need to run to him today. And then a second thing, Matthew chapter 12, there's, there's an Old Testament prophecy about Jesus that I, I want to show you where it's fulfilled in Matthew 12, and I'm not going to take time to go back and dig through the history of it, but I want you to see the weight of this today, because it tells us about Jesus. It tells us about how Jesus comes to us and what his intentions are. Matthew 12 Verse 18, and it jumps into this prophecy from the Old Testament. Here's what it says. Behold, which means look, pay attention, see, see what's happening. Behold, my servant whom I've chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased. God says, I will put my spirit, I'll put my spirit upon him, and he will declare justice to the Gentiles. Not just to the Jews, but to all people. Verse 19, notice this. He will not quarrel, nor cry out, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. He doesn't come screaming for attention. He doesn't demand anything of you. He just wants you to hear him and come near him. He doesn't come with pride. He comes with humility. He comes approachable. Verse 20 says this. Now notice these words, so important. A bruised reed, he will not break. Smoking flax, he will not quench until he turns justice into victory. Verse 21, and in his name, Gentiles will trust you might think, okay, so, so he comes and he's not making a lot of noise, but what, what's this business about a broken reed and smoking flax? I'm not sure I get it. Let me, let me just take a couple minutes and show this to you. A shepherd's flute was usually made from a reed that was cut, that was carved, that had different notes, different holes to make the sounds, like a, a flute or a recorder that we would play today. Shepherds would make their own flutes, their own recorders. And every flute had a little different sound based on the size, the length, and the way it was all shaped. Every shepherd's flute sounded a little differently. And so when, when shepherds would gather at a watering hole, they would bring all their flocks together. And the, the sheep would be all mixed together, but 
When one shepherd decided to leave, he would start walking off and he'd start playing that flute. And the, sh the sheep would recognize the sound of that flute. It was their shepherd's voice. And those sheep would leave the water and follow their shepherd. But sometimes, sometimes in the course of life, things get damaged. Sometimes things get broken. And if a, if a reed, if a flute got mashed and cracked and, and damaged, it, it wouldn't make the same sound and it, it just wouldn't work right. The song would be gone. And no longer could you sit there and play this flute and, and put your fingers on those holes and move them around and, and play the melody you wanted to play. And isn't that a picture of life? You know, we start out life and we've got all these dreams and all these great things we're going to do, but sometimes in the course of life, things happen. Sometimes it's our doing, sometimes it's the doing of others. Sometimes it's the work of the enemy. But isn't it true that sometimes the years have a way of beating on us and beating on us and beating on us and one little thing at a time gets bruised and that gets bruised and we get weaker and all of a sudden one day we wake up and the song is gone. We are so bruised, there's no reason to keep going on. Jesus said, when you come to me and you've been bruised and you've reached the place where you've lost your song, in those days it was traditional. They just break the reed and throw it away and get a new reed and start over. Jesus said, you come to me and your life is broken. I will not kick you aside. I will not abandon you. I will in no ways cast you out. But instead, I will restore you and I will bring the song back into your life by mending your broken heart and rebuilding that broken life. He said, I'm not going to destroy the life that's been bruised. I'm going to restore the life that's been bruised. And then there's Smoking flax. We don't know much about this, but I know a lot about it thanks to Indiana Jones. <laughs> Evidently, there are times in life if you don't have a flashlight, you need a torch. If you don't have your phone with you to turn the, the light on, you need a torch. It was common in those days. You go into caves, you go into dark places, even at night. When the soldiers came to arrest Jesus, they probably came with torches. It was a good chance they were made of flax. See, the thing about flax is you can light that torch, you can start the fire. But if you don't take care of it correctly, it begins to go out and the next thing you know, the light leaves. And all you've got is smoking flax. Isn't that a picture of what life sometimes becomes for some folks? Isn't it true that most all of us at one time in our life have been a bruised reed or a smoking flax where life didn't go the way we planned, things didn't work out the way we thought and in our frustration, in our questions, in our pursuit of greatness, we made poor decisions, we ran the wrong direction trying to control things for ourselves and that fire of passion for life that once burned gets smaller and smaller and smaller until all of a sudden we wake up one day and we realize I'm ashamed. I can't believe I've done all this. I can't believe this is what my life is today. The fire is out and there's no reason to live. And Jesus said, if you come to me in that condition, I'm not going to snuff you out. He said, I'll begin to blow new life. 
I'll begin to blow on that smoke. I'll begin to cover it. I'll begin to blow oxygen in there. And the first thing you know, that light, that flame, that fire will begin to burn once again. I'm not here to judge you and destroy you. I'm here to restore what has been broken and lost in your life. I will not cast you aside. Look at the stories of Jesus, whether it's the woman taken in adultery, the woman at the well, Peter, after the denial of the cross, regardless of what has happened, Jesus knows all about it, and in humility, he cares. Let me go one step further. Look around this room today. There are hundreds of stories of bruised reeds smoking flats where people today have a song and people today have a life and a purpose and a light and a flame burning inside of them because Jesus met them where they were and moved them forward from there. He's a savior. And one, one last little piece here. I'm almost finished. It's been good, hasn't it? I'm, I'm almost finished. God's word is good. It's pretty amazing that the King of Kings and the Lord of all Lords would come in humility. He would come bringing peace, wouldn't come drawing attention to himself, riding on a donkey. But let me take it one step further. He rode not only on a donkey, he also rode on a donkey colt that had never been ridden before. When I was 12, 13 years old, I was visiting my uncle. My aunt, they, they had a Shetland pony. You know, Shetland pony is a small horse. Wasn't a big stallion, about the size of a donkey. It was smaller. And they said, hey, we're going to go to work today, but if you want to come over and take the Shetland pony out and go for a ride, feel free to do so. Take her for a ride. I thought, great. 12-year-old kid, you know, raised in the city. Of course I know how to ride a horse. So... <laughs> I've watched westerns. I know how to ride a horse. I'm, I'm, I'm your huckleberry. I can do this, you know. So my, other, my a girl cousin was with me, and we said, let's go get this horse. And she said, I don't think I want to ride. I said, well, I do. So we're walking down a road leading this horse, and I decided it's time to get on this horse. And you know what? I got off of the horse quicker than I got on the horse. <laughs> and it wasn't my choosing. I mean, I jumped on that horse's back, and as soon as I hit it, she threw me back down on my rear end, and I landed in the street. And I found out this horse may have been a little bit tame, but this horse had its own will. I've watched a lot of rodeos on TV. I've watched bull riding, watched them ride the, the, the Bronx. You couldn't get me on one of those horses or one of those bulls. You couldn't get me on a wild Shetland pony today. You couldn't get me on a wild donkey colt because they have a mind of their own. But Jesus, the Prince of Peace, got on a donkey colt that had never been ridden and rode, listen closely, not being smart, he rode this wild ass all the way through town. I think of the story of guy who was known as Legion, the demonic of Gadara. 
Jesus approaches this village one day, and there were probably two guys, according to the other gospel accounts, but at least this one guy who stands out in the crowd. This road that he patrolled had become pretty much impassable because of him and his buddy, because they were demon-possessed. The powers of Satan lived in them. And they would bind these guys with chains, and the power of Satan was so great that physically they would break the chains that they put on them. And they lived out in the graveyard. They couldn't live in town with the people. They were crazy men. They were wild. They were just nuts, out of their minds. They did savage, violent things. But one day Jesus walks near this village, and this guy named Legion comes, it says, runs, falls down at Jesus' feet. When he does, the demons begin to speak. Don't torment us. Let me get to the end of the story. Jesus just gives a word, and demons leave and go to into a herd of pigs and they run down the hill and into the, the sea the lake there and they all drown well the, the whole village is confused and they come out and ask Jesus to leave but here's the point this demoniac this guy who was known as legion because of the many devils that lived in him scripture says he's now sitting at the feet of Jesus He's clothed. He's not naked. He's clothed in his right mind. Because that's the work of Jesus. And he says, let me go with you. And Jesus says, no, you stay right here and be a testimony to your village of the great power of God. You may be here today. And please, for one minute, for those of you who are extremely religious, put your fingers in your ears. For about five seconds here, okay? You may be a wild ass of a man, but if you'll give Jesus a chance to get into your life, he will calm you down, he will change your life, he will satisfy your mind, he will set your thinking straight, he will give you a whole different perspective of life. Because Jesus came to ride even the most difficult of asses. And I know some of us are a little immature to hear that, but it's okay. Some of you get my point. Friends, Jesus cares about you. He'll meet you right where you are. And maybe you're sitting here today. You're wondering, who is he? He's the Savior. He's the King of all the kings and the Lord of all the lords. And he comes in humility today and he says, give me a chance to show you what I can do. Accept me, embrace me, see what I can do. You really want to know who Jesus is and what he can do? Invite him into your life. Give him a chance to work. You say, well, how do I do that? It starts with a prayer. You see, right now, some of you are sitting here. Maybe it's a bruised reed. Maybe it's smoking flax. Maybe you're the demonic of Gadara. And you're saying, I need God's help. That's all he's looking for. As he knocks on the door of your heart for you to say, please come in, I need your help. And in humility, in peace, he'll come to you. He'll meet you right where you are. One day at a time, he'll begin to change everything from the beginning to the end. I want you to bow your heads this morning if you would. I want to pray for you. But as I pray for you, I invite you to pray with me. I want to pray a prayer and I'm going to ask you to wrap it your heart around these words and let my words be your words. So from your heart, 
Join me in this prayer. Father, today in Jesus' name, I come to you and I need you. I need your help. I need your love. I need your deliverance. I need you to step into my bruised, broken life and bring healing. I need you to step into my life where the, not only is the song gone, but the, the desire to live has left. Things are just smoking. And I ask you to reignite the fire of joy passion that drives life so I come to you and I ask you to have mercy on me I believe as you said you are the Savior you are the King and I ask you to come to be the Savior and the King of my life I don't understand all of this I don't know all about it but I give you the opportunity I trust you to become my Savior and my Lord prove yourself in my life so I give the reins of my life to you. I ask you to teach me your ways. Show me what's right. Show me what's wrong. Show me how to live. Show me how not to live. Show me how to walk with you and day by day. Love me and let me learn to love you. And give me the life you've promised. Life abundant. Life of full, that life that's full of joy and peace and love. I want that life. So I trust you to bring it to me today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. While I'm here at this moment, I have just enough time to do this. There's some believers in this house. Things haven't gone just right. You're questioning your walk with God. You're a bruised reed or you're smoking flax. You don't understand what's happened and why. You're beginning to question everything you know about God. I want to pray for you right now because this humble, lowly Jesus is coming today to meet you right where you are. Father, Jesus' name for those who are bruised, those who are hurting, those who are broken. We open our hearts and we ask you to step into these circumstances. Step in with your wisdom, with your direction, with your healing, with your hope. God, reignite in us the fire of life. Walk us through this season of hurt and pain and bring healing where there's brokenness. Where we've been bruised, wipe away those hurts. Bring us to a place of forgiveness in you where we can forgive others. God, I thank you today that you do meet us, just as you said, right where we are. You bring healing, wholeness, and hope. Jesus name amen amen how many are grateful for Jesus today are you grateful all right here's the deal if if you prayed that prayer with me earlier and you committed your life to Christ and you said I want to give God a chance to work in my life that's not the end of the journey it's just the beginning walking with God is a journey it lasts all the rest of your life he'll be there he'll meet you he'll He'll encourage you. He'll strengthen you. We want to help you begin your journey. So when service is over in just a few minutes, we'll have prayer teams here at the front of the building. They're here to pray with anyone for any need. But if you would walk up to one of these teams, we have a gift we want to give you. It's a little booklet called The Next Seven Days. It's just simple reading for the next week to help you understand a little bit of what God wants to do for you and in you and through you. 
We'd love to give you this. So please just walk up to one of these teams and say, can I get the booklet? If you've got questions, they can answer questions. If you need prayer for something, they'll pray with you. If you just want to get it and go, that's fine. Also, out in the lobby, as you exit right in the middle of the glass doors, there's a counter set up there with the screen overhead. The next seven days, we'll give you the same booklet there. If you're in a big rush, just stop there. Please, please, let us put this in your hand. They'll give it to you there. It'll help you begin your journey with God. Today, I want to be the first to welcome you to God's family. Can we put our hands together and welcome new believers today? God bless you. Very last thing. We always take some time in our service to worship God with our giving. We don't put pressure on people. We don't demand anything. We teach God's word, and then we teach that we should obey God's word. The Bible talks about tithe. It talks about offerings. It talks about alms. It talks about a lot of things. I want to say one thing today to you. Thank you for your faithfulness in giving. We're a blessed church. We are growing. We are moving forward. We are reaching people. But part of the reason is because you're faithful and you're giving to God. And I want to say thank you today. But more importantly, if we give as worship unto the Lord and if we give in faith, God said he blesses us and he pours back into our lives that we can be a bigger blessing in the future. So let me just say thank you so much. Uh, I mentioned it again. In a couple of Sundays, I'll be talking to you about what's going on in our world and ministry we're involved in and what we do with the money that's given here at the bridge. I'll talk about that more, but I just want to say today, thank you for your faithfulness. Honor God and see if God will bless your life. Hey, have you enjoyed being in church today? I, I know some of you are really in a hurry, but according to the clock, I still have a minute and 45 seconds. I'll wait just a second. I guess I'm the dumb one. I don't understand. But at any rate, last thing I want to say is, this is going to be a great week. Don't forget all that's going on at the bridge. We also have some invite cards. We gave some out last week. We've still got a few on the tables back there. Grab some invite cards. Invite people Friday, 7 o'clock, three services next Sunday morning. It's going to be a great, great week. God bless you. We love you. Go in God's blessing. See what he'll do in your life. Have a great Sunday.